This is Peter Bogdanovich. I directed and produced this picture and worked a bit on the script and the story. Uh, we started shooting this in late in 1971. We got started on this because Warner Brothers offered me a, another picture with Barbara, and uh, it was a kind of a drama. And I wanted to do a comedy if I was going to work with Barbara. And Barbara wanted to work with me, so I uh, met with uh, the head of the studio, the head of Warner Brothers at the time, John Kelly, and I said, um, I'd like to do a kind of a screwball comedy, you know. Um, square Professor meets Daffy Dame in the bringing a baby tradition was what I said. And he said, okay, do it. So Bob Benton and uh, David Newman and I worked on the script for about three weeks. And we got a pretty good first draft. And then John suggested we bring uh, Buck Henry to do a polish. And actually he did quite, a, quite an extensive draft and uh, quite a lot of changes. We added a suitcase. There were three suitcases, and then there were four suitcases. And uh, we cast it uh, in New York and in, uh, and in California. I found uh, Dear Madeline Kahn. It was her, her, first, her first picture. And I found her in New York. She came to read, but I didn't actually have her read. I just talked to her, and I thought she was one of the funniest people I ever met, but not aware of being funny. And, uh, and Austin Pendleton. And uh, that was how it started. This book opening and closing at the end was taken from a lot of old pictures that began with books. We thought it'd be fun to have her hand commenting a little bit on it um, with the rubbing the lipstick and things like that. And I like the song, You're the Top. I heard it, happened to hear it on a plane when I was uh, flying to uh, New York. And I thought, it'd be good to have Barbara sing this. Laszlo Kovacs, who shot it with me, uh, shot the picture, had already worked with me on his, his first picture as Laszlo Kovacs, picture called Targets. Polly Platt had worked with me on the last picture show and, and Targets. And... Uh, that's how it all started, uh, mixing up suitcases. I took directed and produced credit, which uh, was the credit that Howard Hawks used to take. You putting the director first, and uh, I suppose it was a tip of the hat to him. Everybody said the entire picture was a kind of homage to bringing up baby. In fact, there's really only one joke, and the basic plot line which were inspired by uh, bringing up baby. This uh, opening sequence was shot at the San Francisco TWA terminal at the San Francisco airport. In fact, we shot the beginning and the end of the movie. And the Pentagon Papers had just hit the fan, so to speak, and uh, that's how we got the idea for this top secret. This was the, I think these were the last, this was the last bag we added. It was supposed to be the Pentagon Papers being followed by a government uh, employee carrying uh, golf clubs. Buck wrote all that. Thanks. And 
this one shot here, the two cabs, actually ends up introducing Ryan all in one shot. There's the, we see one bag and now we see the second bag. And I think it introduces Madeline too. She comes. That was a wig. A red wig she wore. I have to see to all these arrangements myself. Yes, you It is exactly 6:15. If we reach the hotel in half an hour, we'll have just enough. This was all written by Buck. Yes, you Put these things in a taxi. Yes, you And here's San Francisco. All right. We picked all these locations to accentuate the hills. Again, this shot is one piece, the two cabs pull up and then uh, the actors go over. And we do a joke about the hill. He keeps getting rid of the golf clubs. And there's Barbara, all in one piece. The voice of the guy singing that Italian song, you can barely hear it, but it's me doing my Dean Martin impression. And uh, Santa Lucia was a public domain song, so we wouldn't have to pay for anything. All these stunts here with Barbara, that's actually Barbara, and here comes the motorcycle that was actually was Barbara she did that herself you can tell it was her because it started on her all this was shot this is not rear projection this was shot in San Francisco uh, in fact the whole all the exteriors were shot there it was very well balanced the light that's Knob Hill they just got to the top of I thought you wanted to go to San Francisco on your honeymoon this is San Francisco Howard of course it is <laughs> Ryan had just been uh, in a picture called Love Story, which was a big hit. And um, at first I didn't think he'd be right for this because he'd never done anything like it. But then I uh, met with him for lunch, and I liked him so much because I, I kept saying, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to make fun of you and make you just do the opposite of what you are because uh, he was anything but a square guy. And here's another hill. Uh, uh, and so Ryan was, you know, very uh, cooperative about uh, oh, this stunt here uh, with the uh, pizza, the two cars. This was funny. That was really Barbara. It was a little bit dangerous, as you see, because that second car hit it and went right past her. But she did the stunt. I said to her, don't look. Now, the funny thing was we did that stunt um, that wasn't planned in the script, but I thought the shot was boring, so in the morning I said, do we have any stunt cars? Or, no, we didn't have any stunt cars. We had some stuntmen around, but we didn't have any stunt cars. So I said to uh, Frank Marshall, who was my assistant on the picture, I said, uh, uh, can you get a couple of cars? Well, they're not ready for them. He said, I said, well, why don't you go rent them? So we rented two cars. I should be, I said, be sure to check off where it says, uh, you know, accident insurance. <laughs> We did the stunt and then took the cars back and said, we're so sorry, a little accident. Now, this was shot actually also in San Francisco at the, um, at the Hilton. I think it was the Hilton, San Francisco Hilton, 
Uh, we did all the all these lobby interiors there um, in the real place uh, at night, usually, because uh, we couldn't get the lobby during the daytime. That's Mabel Albertson, who was uh, Cloris Leachman's mother-in-law. I had just Cloris had just won the Oscar, or was about to win the Oscar for the last picture show. And tomorrow, I want you to put it in the hotel safe for me. It will be done, madam. And Stefan Girash, I'd studied with him at Stella Adler's. He plays Fritz. All this stuff was shot in the real lobby. And it's wonderful actors. Room service, please. Hi, room service. This is room 1717. I would like a, um, a double-thick roast beef sandwich, medium rare, on rye bread with mustard. Brook. That's right, that was Sorrow Book. And uh, this is uh, the first time Barbara sees Ryan, or actually the second time, but she didn't notice him in the cab. That shirt, I remember, I picked out for her, and uh, she rather liked it. And the hat. And we had her eating carrots because it was connected to the Bugs Bunny, you know, What's Up, Doc? I remember all this stuff was, all these scenes were rewritten by Buck. These are my pre-Paleozoic Tambula rocks. Don't touch those rocks. I will take care of those. Now, Howard, you go to the drugstore. This picture got such big laughs when we opened at the Radio City Music Hall. I'll never forget it. Why am I going to the drugstore? Aspirin. Right. Yeah. Howard, get it with buffering added. It's better for the stomach. Right. Flat. Flat. So, uh, your bell is flat. It's half a tone off. All this stuff was shot at the Hilton. And this business here in the, in the uh, pharmacy also was shot uh, in the real pharmacy at the, at the uh, Hilton. Polly Platt uh, was the production designer, and we picked the locations together. All this is actually shown from Ryan's point of view. There's a joke with the Alcatraz rock, <laughs> which Buck wrote. What's up, Doc? I beg your pardon. Originally, when she said, what's up, Doc, there was, we were talking about possibly having her do a Bugs Bunny impression. But we decided not to. Um, just have her say it sort of sexy. I was just testing this specimen for inherent tonal quality. Mm-hmm. I have this theory about... Now, because we're in a close-up of... Barbara here we, tends to indicate that it's from her point of view. The um, idea of Barbara being very smart and having been through a lot of different colleges was actually, I think, something that was inspired by an idea in a, in a script that was offered to me uh, to make with Barbara called The Glimpse of Tiger. We made What's Up Doc instead. Oh, yes, thank you, and goodbye. And, of course, the glasses that Ryan wears were a little bit of a... Basically, the idea was stolen from uh, Cary Grant wearing glasses in, 
in Bringing Up Baby. And, of course, Harold Lloyd in The Silent Days always wore glasses. Erase me. Forget you even know my name. I don't know your name. Judy Maxwell. How do you do? How do you do? Uh, could you let go of my hand? I don't think so. <sighs> we had a stuntman up above the... <laughs> above the uh, above Ryan, uh, who dropped all that stuff on prop man, who dropped all that stuff on him. Three percent of all fatal accidents in the United States happen in corner drugstores. Hey, what's going on back there? Uh, nothing. We're just looking for a little uh, aspirin. Let me help you. Don't help me. Just go away. Okay. I remember that. Okay, the way she says okay uh, was came because I was we were kidding around and and. Uh, I said to her, you know, this is going to be like a Martin and Lewis movie. You're playing Lewis. She said, thanks a lot. So a couple of times she did a couple of Jerry Lewis. Okay, that was a little bit of a Jerry Lewis thing. How much do I owe you? This joke about the buffering. Uh, I remember uh, this joke about the buffering <laughs> was something that uh, Bob Benton, I remember, ad-libbed one time in, in a... When we were writing the first draft, it's one of the biggest laps in the picture. How much is it without buffering? You are. I don't know who she is. Oh, come on, Steve. Buy the radio. It's on sale. That little gesture he does when he starts to talk and then shakes his head and turns around, that was a classic Cary Grant thing. Now, this joke here where she rips uh, his uh, jacket is the only real direct homage to bringing up baby in the picture, because in that film, Katherine Hepburn rips Cary Grant's uh, tuxedo, actually. And, uh, the, of course, the basic setup of the picture uh, is uh, inspired by bringing up Baby with the stuffy professor and the daffy dame. Other than that, we changed uh, uh, everything. The rest of it is... Uh, is uh, invented in the tradition of bringing up baby and that kind of screwball comedy, Lady Eve, uh, The Awful Truth, those kind of pictures, which I loved. Who is this person? I haven't the vaguest idea. She was behind a rock in the drugstore. And here we show the two of them together and Madeline separate which I'm afraid does hint of what's to come. I swear this is a bizarre joke. Sure, it's easy for you everywhere you go. Another heartbroken. Women, women, women. You call it joking. Eunice and I, we call it lust. Don't you know the, the meaning? The tempo is very fast, as you see in the dialogue, which is very much in the tradition of that kind of comedy. Suitability, rightness or justice, see etiquette. That had to be timed carefully, the, going down the escalator, so that she would just go disappear just in the right time. Now, these scenes in the hallway, all the hallways were actually shot in California on the Warner Brothers soundstage. They were all built, all the hotel rooms and the hallways, the elevator, all that, um, was done at Warner Brothers. We particularly made it as garish as possible. That was, uh, Polly and I discussed that, and we thought we'd make it just about as ugly as it could get, um sort of in the cartoon tradition that the picture also falls in, into. That shot, uh, just then, camera pulling from the crack over to Mabel Albertson, I'll never forget, was Buck Henry's idea for the shot. It was in the script, and it's one of the only times I ever took a shot from a screenplay. 
Um, but Buck really knew what he was doing, and in fact, in fact directed uh, a couple of pictures after that. He was very, very smart and knew exactly what he was doing. All this intricacy with the uh, where the bags are and what floor they're on and all that was uh, rather complicated. I remember calling Buck one day when he was... It took him only about three weeks to get his draft ready, which was pretty much what we shot. Uh, um, and uh, I remember I called him and he, I said, how are you doing? He says, not so good. I said, what's the matter? He says, I, I lost one of the bags. Well, he said he, he had a... Uh, diagram of the whole um, hotel and he couldn't find one of the bags and because we both said let's be as honest as we can now by the way that shot with Madeline and Ryan was all one piece and then they entered and then it panned to Barbara so it had to be very carefully timed and all this going that's all one piece of film until the door closes But if you see the film uh, another time, twice, and you check, you'll see that we were very careful not to cheat with the bags. And they don't just indiscriminately appear and disappear. They're, we did it honestly, as honestly as we could. I don't know who he is, but I hate him. The other thing it connects with the, the basic idea of a girl who sort of lives on her wits was um, and sort of finagles her way around came from an idea that I had had way back in, when I was living in New York in the late 50s, early 60s about somebody who lives with no money in New York. It was called The Land of Opportunity. Of course, I never made it, but that was the first movie idea I ever had, so we used oh, it in this. Eunice, I, I know I don't seem to be a, a very romantic person. That business with pulling the t uh, tie tight and putting his hands down, that was all thrown in as we were rehearsing. This is all one piece of film here, this little scene. They're so good, the two actors. And the camera pulls back and the scene continues. The actors have to be good to be able to pull something like that off. Probably say something like, hello there, Mr. Larrabee, I'm Howard. You are not. I'm not Howard. You are not going to say, hi, my name is Howard. Anyone can say but that. I told uh, Ryan that we were going to do kind of a Cary Grant thing. See the way he's leaning back there in this very much of a Cary Grant kind of look. Yes, I think I can. do your best. And that was the cut. And... Um, I said, I suggested to Ryan that he meet with Cary Grant, see if he can get any tips. And uh, he did meet with Cary. I, I warned Cary that we were doing a picture kind of in the Cary Grant screwball comedy, Howard Hawks tradition. And Cary said, fine, you know. And um, Ryan went to see him and... Uh, he came back from the meeting and said, I had a very nice time with Carrie. I said, well, what did he tell you? He didn't say much. I said, really? He said, you just suggested I wear silk underpants uh, when I'm making the picture. I said, silk underpants? <laughs> I see. That was it. Yeah, that was the main suggestion he gave. So I asked Ryan, did he wear a silk underpants? Yes, he did. Did they help? He says, I don't know. Well, obviously they did. Hmm. 
the doors with the place where you could put the um, uh, laundry that was, I mean, the, the dry cleaning that was actually in the hotel. And we, uh, we stole it so we could use that, have this thing sent to be dry cleaned. I think we do a joke on it later, too. Well, that's rather an elaborate shot. It's a crane shot beginning on the, uh, the hors d'oeuvres and going to Ryan. I can't remember what happens to it, but this was all shot at, uh, on a soundstage at Warner's. I remember, and there's my old friend George Morfog, and this was his first movie. He's an old friend of mine. I st worked with him in New York. And, and pe people uh, always came up to him and said, I'm your head waiter, Rudy. That was probably one of the... Uh, it was a big laugh. You're upside down. That's another joke that became sort of proverbial. Um, I remember when we shot that dining room sequence. Um, I had just been read... Just before we shot that, I was in my dressing room, and the first reviews of the last picture show were coming out. The picture was just 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 opened while we were uh, shooting, and uh, well, they were very awfully good. Uh, I think the the one that they read to me was from Newsweek that compared the picture to Citizen Kane. And I was so overwhelmed that uh, I, I, it's a good thing I was shooting. What happened was I went out and had to shoot this this dining room sequence with the reviews reverberating in my head. I think it was one of the most, this was the most fun I ever had making a picture in my whole career. And uh, I thought all pictures would be fun like that, but it didn't turn out that way. Kenneth Mars, who I'd seen in... Uh, a couple of Mel Brooks movies, I guess, in The Producers. Brilliant comic actor. And uh, he plays a character in this called Hugh Simon, which was somewhat uh, inspired by a critic who um, hadn't been very nice to me. So we sort of took it out on here, gave him a Balkan accent. Austin Pendleton, uh, I found in New York for this. Wonderful, uh, wonderful, also wonderful actor, particularly, well, brilliant at everything, also fine director. He's great at comedy. Now here when... <laughs> when Ken Morris says, I love your hair, he threw that in in, 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 in the take, and we kept it in. That was an ad lib. And this whole thing, the way he holds his hands, he won't let go of his hands, that was all Kenny's invention that uh, he and Austin worked out. It's all one shot, this thing, from the time that they meet. Simon, very well put. Nothing like, nothing like a little guar and norm or otherwise, but I must point out that you are only one of the... Ah, uh, God, they're both brilliant in this. It's one long uh, shot, the crane, and I think that's the the cut there. You're upside down. Dr. Bannister. Mr. Privilege, it's a lab. No, no, that's not it. 
Anyway, it's nice to see you, sir. It's wonderful how Ryan played all this. He'd never done comedy before, and he just did a terrific job. We worked together, um, and he saw a few Cary Grant movies. As Randy Quaid, who had been in the last picture show, which hadn't, as I say, hadn't been released when we cast this, uh, Randy played a big part in the last picture show, and I called him in Texas, where he lived in Houston, and uh, I said, I've got a little part for you in this new picture I'm doing, Barbara Streisand, playing a musicologist. And um, it's not a huge part, Randy, but if you come up to L.A., maybe you'll get an agent, and... Uh, and uh, he did, and pretty soon he had the lead in the last detail. Eunice, Howard. Eunice. We've almost got that stammer cured. Sit down, dear. This scene is wonderfully written. It's how, how, Howard is all Buck Henry wrote this. Don't get stuck on names. It's, it's, it's probably the excitement of meeting you for the first The basic construction of the, of the script was contrived between David Newman and Bob uh, Benton and me. And then Buck added a suitcase and... A lot of these jokes were added in Buck's draft. Sit down, gentlemen, please. Can I sit next to you, Miss I Grace? wouldn't have it any other way. And why don't you sit here on my right, Bannister? No, if you could please move, Mr. Simon. But, sir, this is not, this is definitely not. Bannister, this is not the seating arrangement according this to... This whole uh, dining room. Polly built this uh, design and built this dining room uh, on the on the soundstage at, uh, at Warner Brothers. I just was talking to Austin recently, and he told me about how extraordinarily there Barbara was for him uh, in the shots when over, his, over her shoulder onto him, how, how really, how she was really um, there for him. Bernsey? Bernsey. Uh -huh. I like that. Bernsey. Help? I think we shot for four weeks in San Francisco, then we came back to uh, Los Angeles. That was a all one shot. Had to be very carefully timed, everybody going in and out of the doors. I remember that one. It was tricky. We shot for four weeks in San Francisco, then we came to Los Angeles, shot for, I think, eight weeks. And then we shot another four weeks in San Francisco. It took us four weeks to do the chase which, at the end of the picture. Again, hiding all these suitcases, all that was very carefully worked out so that it would be correct. And you have to really pay attention if you're going to really figure it out, but it's, it's, it's true to what it was supposed to be. Of course, doors and corridors and everything goes back to uh, the farces of, Fre of the French uh, bedroom farcer, um, master farce writer, which was... Um, George Fedot, whom I loved and wanted to have wanted to make into pictures. This is not your experience. Daniel must share his inordinate interest in rocks. Oh, passionately, you might say that it was a rock that brought us together. You're not Eunice. You really expect me to accept the notion that Neanderthal man found a method of. You're not Eunice. I remember that was a became a catchphrase on the picture too when we were working together. You're not Eunice. With the smile. Oh, it was fun making this picture. And of course, all this dialogue had to be very, very, uh, had to be rehearsed uh, quite a lot uh, to get the tempo right. 
discussions with Leonard Bernstein about the possibility of conducting an avalanche in E flat. That is out of letter declaration. Where is your sense of humor, Simon? She's a gem. She's a gem, Bannister. She's unbelievable. Yes, she is. What do you mean you can't find me? I'm right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, this was actually shot in the lobby. Will you look again, at the real lobby, because it was we needed to see the whole place. Michael Murphy playing the government man who had been in, um, I think I saw him in another San Francisco picture called Bullet, in which uh, he was awfully good, Steve McQueen picture. And Sorrel Book was actually suggested by uh, Buck Henry, uh, suggested him. The reason Benton and Newman didn't work all the way through this was because they had another picture and they had to go off, and so they only were able to work with us for three weeks and, and uh, had to leave because they had another commitment. And we actually worked out the whole plot and basically plot in about three weeks. But then the rewrite that Buck did, uh, as I said, expanded the thing and uh, we added a suitcase and a lot of complications. And the dialogue was mostly rewritten. Now this had to be carefully rehearsed with the going back and forth the Swiss composer. Swiss composers, Mr. Uh, that's right, Miss Barnes. Well, I don't imagine that it is a field that the musical archaeologists would find particularly rewarding, but it is a rich field in which my groundbreaking scholarship has cultivated a rich harvest. Must have taken a lot of fertilizer. We would like to hear hear the, hear the story um, that Miss Burns was Bernsey. telling about, that Burnsy was telling. I think about. the uh, it is farcical, of course, the whole thing. But we the actors are so good, and you believe the the actors so much, and the um, such, such good actors, such good comedy actors. I mean, Barbara started out in comedy, and uh, it's one of her long suits, so to speak. In fact, she, it was easy for her to do um, comedy, which is why she didn't think that much of it. She, that little gesture that Ryan does when he lifts his hand is going to say something and then doesn't say it, that's very Cary Grant. He used to do that in virtually every comedy. She's already gone inside. That is impossible. Perhaps you're at the wrong convention. This is outrageous. And Madeline, you know, Madeline could say something like, this is outrageous and get a huge laugh because of the way she said it. It's all grounded in a kind of reality of the characters, I guess you could say. And that's, uh, I think that's what makes the, that's what makes the uh, thing work. It's a bit silly and a little outrageous, but I think everybody understood the, the, uh, the style, what we were doing. This was tricky. They had to really work under the table because the people's feet had to be there and everybody had to come under, so there was no other way to do it. I think we pushed the table up slightly. Steve, you don't want to marry Eunice? I'm not Steve, I'm Howard. Neither of you wants to marry Eunice. Why do you say that? But you don't want to marry someone who's going to get all wrinkled and lined up. The point is, the point is, oh God, I've forgotten the point. Rhymes kept saying that through the whole movie. This was one of the biggest laughs in the picture, everybody talking under the table, uh, which I, as I remember Buck wrote. What's going on? Anything wrong? No, no, no. Just testing a theory how it has about vocal reverberation under spinal pressure. What? Vocal reverberation under spinal pressure? You know, and then, of course, the topper. You know, in, in comedy, there's kind of a rule, which is you do three jokes, and then you do the topper. The topper is the long shot here, when you see everybody 
under the t- under the table. That's the uh, in silent movies they always talked about. You know, three gags, and then the topper is the fourth gag, which is always the, supposed to be the, the funnier than the other two. And um, I had talked about comedy with Leo McCary, who was the first one to put Laurel and Hardy together. And he said it was kind of a almost the golden rule about three jokes and then a topper. Who is that dangerously unbalanced woman? Howard! Howard! Tell them who I am! In the garish uh, set. And now Ryan has to has to betray his girlfriend because he's, otherwise he's going to be in trouble. And this joke, uh, scratching the, the floor, uh, had to be rather, wasn't easy to do. And that was the end of a uh, big sequence, the Bristol. That Bruce McBroom there kissing Mabel Albertson's hand, was the, he was the still photographer on the picture, and we threw him in the picture. He was a very good still photographer. I think he worked with us on two or three movies. I'm ashamed. Never mind. I will return the case to her room while you detain her. How do I do that? This joke, Use Your Charm, was probably one of the biggest laughs in the picture. Charm. Use Your Charm. Buck wrote that. I remember laughing out loud when I... When that fall... Uh, I think Mabel, I think, don't, can't remember if Mabel did that or not. I think that was a stunt woman. And the, the fall got a, such a big laugh that I had a feeling that was going to be pretty funny, so we continued it, and we continued it in the next sequence. Next time you see her, we actually started trying to top that joke. See how it could possibly be in here unless it crawled in under its own power. Exactly, Miss Burns. What are you trying to say? And this joke about... The, the snakes uh, is a joke. Somebody just the other day I ran into said that they never forgot the joke because they uh, uh, snakes are afraid of start of tile. Snakes, as you know, live in mortal fear of tile. A lot of people come up to me and say, tell me that "What's Up, Doc?" is one of their favorite pictures, and there's the wrong bag just got stolen. And just recently in Washington, D.C., uh, there's the joke with Mabel Albertson on the floor. We thought it was funny if she was on the floor, and then he he chases her down the hall, and this got a huge laugh. And you don't see the last fall, but uh, that's the topper. Well, actually, the topper goes on now. We, we staged this. This wasn't in the script, really. We just had fun with it. Uh, <laughs> this is all using his charm. Somebody came up to me in Washington recently and said that they'd, or she'd met her husband because, and fallen in love because his favorite movie was What's Up, Doc, and her favorite movie was What's Up, Doc, so they got married. I said, I hope you lived happily ever after. She said, we have. Now, this is a crane shot all in one piece um, that we did on the soundstage. If you listen carefully, you'll see the music is all Muzak, which Artie Butler arranged like Muzak for us, because there's no score in the picture except for the beginning and end when Barbara sings. At the end, she sings with Ryan. Other than that, there is no score in the movie, which I, I think, in a funny way, helps to give it reality by having that Muzak playing. All the Muzak that you hear 
Oh, there's the cut. That is not a there, so it's in a couple of pieces. What are you so upset about? I mean, tonight was fantastic. We've got that Larrabee Grant virtually so we? All the music was from uh, Warner Brothers Library. So we got it rather inexpensively. Nobody is Bernsey. So what is the point? The point is, the point is... Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I've forgotten the point. That's a line that Ryan kept saying all through the picture. The point is, the point is, oh, God, I've forgotten the point. Right, that's the point. That money would enable me to establish certain proof for theories of mine, certain theories that... This had to be very carefully staged with her moving in on him, because if she didn't move exactly the right way, she'd lose the light behind him, so it had to be... Laszlo, I remember, came out, coming over and saying, no, she can't quite move really in front of him, because otherwise you, she won't be in the light. Thousands of years old. Or Ignatian or Upper Paragordia. Well, both, actually. Now, if I'm given the... Where do you come up with those names? It's just a wild guess. I want you to go away now. Oh, Steve, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I only wanted to help. And this dialogue at the door, you're just different. Some of that was inspired by a similar scene from The Awful Truth, Cary Grant and Irene Dunn, Leo McCary picture. But I suggested that Buck rent it, and he did, and uh, uh, was inspired to write that scene. Now, of course, Howard Hawks always used to say to me, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Well, so when I sent him the script of What's Up, Doc, I said that we had definitely been inspired by a couple of moments uh, and some things from Bringing Up Baby. And uh, he called me and said, well, you didn't steal the dinosaur. I said, well, I can't steal the dinosaur, Howard. No, I guess you can. You didn't steal the leopard. Those are the, both the leopard and the dinosaur are big jokes in uh, bringing a baby. And I said, well, Howard, we couldn't steal the, the leopard. Said, no, I guess not. Who have you got in it? I said, uh, Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill. I know they're not like Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant, but he said, you're damn right they're not. Well, good luck, boy. Just don't let him be cute. Yes, sir. Oh. <laughs> this uh, thing that uh, <laughs> Madeline reading The Sensuous Woman, that was uh, a, a topical joke which we mainly avoided, but uh, that was a popular book at the time. And that little noise she made after she, after she uh, um, read something, that was... Um, so Madeline, this kind of thing that she could do, that little ah-ha-ha-ha, uh, uh, whatever she... I can't imitate it. It was such a Madeline Kahn moment. She does it a couple of times in the picture. Uh, she was absolutely a comic genius. She could get laughs with... just with a little noise like that. She was brilliant. That light outside is a transparency that makes it look like San Francisco. Those were huge photographs built. Oh, there's the joke we did on the, on the uh, dry cleaning, paying off the dry cleaning. That's another thing about comedy is you, you always want, and we did that joke with the door falling, and those were little things we threw in. But the, you always want to pay off everything. Um, if you're going to set something up like the dry cleaning, you want to pay it off as best you can, try to get a laugh with it. Um, it's sort of almost cheating not to pay things off. Uh, in fact, this is a movie that's very much constructed on 
gags that we set up and then pay off. He had to get undressed very quickly. I wanted him to get to the tie as fast as possible. And, you know, we had to really tie that tie so he couldn't get it open. And so that he'd do the joke, um, you know, he had to, as you see, he got off, he got to get undressed very, very quickly because otherwise it would take too long to get to the point where he, Hello. <laughs> where he's got his pants up. Well, he did all that, Ryan did all that in one quick piece. Oh, with Barbara was off stage, throwing the lines. I believe you dropped something. What do you think you're doing? I think I'm taking a bath, aren't I? If you're not out of here, in two minutes I'm calling the This police. is all built. I think I'll arrest the girl in the tub or the guy with his pants down. I am not joking now. I do not like to act rashly. But you are the last straw that breaks my camel's back. You are the plague. You, you bring havoc and chaos to everyone. But why to me? Why me? Why? Why? Because you look cute in your pajamas, Steve. Get out! Right now? Yes! Robert and Ryan worked no, very well really? together. Now, this fall here, Ryan did, he actually did hurt himself a bit. He, uh, it was quite a fall to fall backward like that. And uh, it looks easy, but it wasn't. And he actually did hurt himself. It got worse, and he had to have a little operation. He does a couple other falls in the picture. Now the phone is ringing. I'll get it. I can do it. Hello, yes. Eunice who? Ryan and Barbara worked very well together for for most of the picture. They, were, they had a few places where they didn't get along, but... It was always very brief, and uh, they ended up quite friendly. Well, I want to see if you're all right. I am still very angry with you. This is one of the big laughs when, when, uh, when she says, "I'm coming up," "I'm coming in," or something. There's a movie on a war movie. They're getting dressed for the big battle. It was a woman's voice. Yes, the movie is a war movie. It was Air Force, as a matter of fact, by Howard Hawks. Now she says. All it said in the script was, I'm coming in, but Madeline got a huge laugh with that reading. Like that, and I'm going to jump. Oh, Steve. Goodbye. Steve, wait! I don't oh. believe it. You did it again. Oh. Oh. Uh, excuse me, are, are you with the hotel? Why? I would like you see, this is shot from Phil's point of view. He has injured himself. Sorry, lady. I'm looking for supplement 1717. No, well, see, I, ordinarily I wouldn't even ask you, but I really think it's in it. Well, lady, I got my orders from the desk right I don't know if anybody actually ever followed all this, but uh, I guess they did. We tried to get anchored in reality, even though it was absolutely absurd. Howard. That was all one piece, him coming out, and then we panned back. And this is why Buck had said it was hard to keep track of all the bags, because he had to have a diagram of the whole thing. Howard Bannister, I am talking to you. Howard, I know you're in... No, 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 I can't. I'm terrified of heights. I have acrophobia. Look, there's a ledge. I have ledgerphobia. Just until I can get rid of her. I can't. Howard, you hear me? She has a violent temper. I can't. She studies karate. Maybe I can. Don't count, Eunice. I hate it when you count. One.
Hello, Eunice. Come on in. This uh, this was shot on the soundstage. You can't tell, but that, of course, was shot in Westwood. The point of view, when she looks down, was shot in Westwood. And we had a stunt girl hanging on the, the ledge in Westwood. That's a bath, Eunice. I was going to take a bath. Since when have you taken bubble baths? It came out of the faucet that way, Eunice. It came out of the faucet that way, Why Eunice. Are your rocks in the bath? I, don't I don't know. I wish I, I, wish did, I did, but I, I don't, don't know. <laughs> that was another thing we kept saying on the set. Everybody started saying things on the set of the picture. I remember Laszlo with his Hungarian accent saying, What's up, Doc? He loved to say that. We all had different catchphrases while making the picture. It looks like everybody had fun. I have to say, we all did. This was the most fun I think any of us had on a picture. God, those transparencies look good. Those were huge photographs of San Francisco that were blown up with light behind them. Called, they're called transparencies. Now, this guy with the the, tra the waiter, Paul Condillis, he had his own radio show, which I had done. You are not being open with me. I am being open with you, Eunice. I'm always open. It's open, that joke. Yeah, he was a radio personality. And uh, I asked him to do this. And he'd worked, he'd been at work for me also in Targets. I used a lot of the same people. What's that? What's what? I hear knocking. It's your nerves. And the movie on the TV was a Howard Hawks movie. I think it was Air Force, which was a Warner Brothers picture. That little bit. Now that's Barbara. That that's really shot on Westwood, and that shot of Barbara there hanging was really shot on Westwood. Of course, she was standing on something. We didn't endanger her life for a second, but that was shot in Westwood on a rather chilly night in November or December of 1971. That's a stunt girl hanging there. It really is a stunt girl doing that stunt in a towel. You are screaming, Eunice. Hey, have a heart. We're trying to get some sleep down Eunice. here. <laughs> Pull the plug out. It's cable. Pull the cable out. There, the, the, both of them were on the ledge for a second. Now this was a tricky little thing, and actually things, it really did spark, and the f Madeline did actually get little sparks on herself. And Barbara refused to cut her nails, <laughs> so when she's trying to work her way up the ledge, she, she's not quite realistic with the way she's holding on, but it's okay, it's a comedy. Now there was really, this fire did bring out, and, and Madeline was really screaming, really was screaming because it wasn't out of hand, but it looked like it was going to. All this was shot. That scream of Madeline is so funny. I think she got last just any time she did anything. Now, this joke with the fireman, of course, uh, got one of the biggest laughs when they go to the wrong door and start knocking. On. I, threw, I threw that in. I said, just go to the first door and start whacking. That was... That was a joke we threw, and then they all fell, of course. But this was all this fire stuff was actually done in one piece. Burns, what are you doing in Mr. Bannister's bedroom? Don't you know the meaning of propriety? Ah! Come on, 
And that is the end of Act One. We always call that Act One complete chaos. And then we have a nice pan of San Francisco and um, the hotel, which I guess we shot. I know we shot at the same time. It was the Hilton, yeah. We changed the H to a B. This little joke with the wall, actually the wall was like that. And that was also shot, this was not built, this was shot at the, uh, at the Hilton somewhere. Verna Fields did a very good job of, on the editing of this. Of course, this was pretty much the way we shot it. Uh, Verna had been my sound editor on my first picture, Targets, and she'd never cut a big picture before. I brought her on for this because I liked working with her so much. Um, and pretty much this is the way it was shot. Uh, the first cut was 97 minutes, and uh, then we previewed it at 97 minutes or something. It was the first cut. And then we took about three minutes out, and this is what the result was. The three minutes were taken all the way through, just tightening up things. Hello? Come in, it's broken. I mean, it's open. Here's John Hillerman, who became rather well-known on Magnum P.I., playing pretty much the same kind of part, only with an accent. Johnny was a New York actor whom I brought out to Texas, and he had a small part in um, no, I don't think The Last so. Picture Show. I'm Mr. Calvin, and um, people really noticed him in this, and then I gave him two parts in Paper Moon, which was our next picture that he and Ryan and I did together. I have a message for you from the staff of the hotel. Really? What is it? Goodbye. That's the entire message? We would appreciate it if you would check out. When? Yesterday. That soon. I don't suppose... And it's all one long piece here. John's entrance to, to this. No. Oh, well. This is a wonderful scene Buck wrote. These are my igneous tabular rocks. Yes, of course they are. And the whole scene was in one piece, and John exits. That was it. Uh, where were you uh, thinking of going now? Well, my fiance, Miss Sleep, is. As I said, this picture was so much fun. Watching it is really brings back the joy of making it. We all had such a good time. We were all quite young. Um, all of us were in our early 30s. Barbara was, even, I think, was 28, 29. And uh, it was done with the full, brilliant uh, auspices of Warner Brothers. You know, the studio was terrific. And uh, we had tremendous cooperation. Finally gets the tie off. Now this scene here at the, uh, um, on the top of the Hilton Hotel, the Hilton Hotel was actually redoing their starlight roof, which is what this was. And we did shoot this really, and it was like this. They, they, were, they were remodeling it, so we said, okay, let's do it up here. And uh, we'll just let them remodel it. We would just put things around. We brought a piano up. Pretty hard to believe that there'd be a piano there, but nevertheless, we got away with it so that we could do this joke. 
we put uh, filters on the windows so you could see out. That is San Francisco. That's not a transparency. That really is. And this was actually shot on the Hilton roof. It's easier than putting all those windows and doing transparencies. And there she is. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he walks in a mine. Play a champ. And her uh, Bogart impression was, I, I did it for her because I can do Bogart a little bit. And uh, at least I can do that speech. It's from a Warner Brothers picture too, Casablanca. And I helped her with that a little bit, kept doing it. Now the piano, Barbara, this is not playback. Barbara is actually singing live um, right now. And since it was Barbara, how could she not sing? Now look at this. This is this. This she sings, and the camera moves around. So um, nice shot that we did, uh, and she does it wonderfully. The camera encircling them as she kind of moves in for the kill, so to speak. It's a Warner Brothers song too, as time goes by. We had another, Ryan didn't play the piano, but he learned to move his hands properly. And we had a pianist just off camera who was following her. And Barbara insisted on having her hair down for this. The rest of the picture, her hair was up. But here she wanted it down. So we said, okay. But she's actually singing live right now. All this is live. We recorded it. She didn't post-sync it. It was just exactly the way we shot it. The piano off camera. Now, this next scene, this shot here, after they sit up actually, was a four, here, this was a four page, four and a half page scene, and we rehearsed it, and it played in about three minutes, and I said, it takes too long. And so we rehearsed, I said, speed it up, overlap, this and that. We rehearsed it, few, rehearsed it a few times, made it go faster. Then we rehearsed it again, and I timed it, and it was about two and a half minutes. I said, it's too long. He said, I can't talk any faster. I said, come on, we can do it faster. I told her to take her gla his glasses and all this stuff. Frank Capra told me that when you do normal speed on the screen, it comes out slow. So if you want something to be fast, you really got to go fast. Because for some reason, film slows things down. Well, anyway, we kept rehearsing it until we'd gotten it down to about two minutes, and I told them it still was too fast, so they did it again, and we shot it then, and it was a minute and a half. So we did, I think, four and a half pages in a minute and a half. And that's the version we used. A little classroom, it, it sort of burned down. Burned down? Well, blew up, actually. Political activism? Chemistry major. I see. Anyway, now I'm really scared to go home. So am I. How do you mean? Well, Eunice and I came all the way from Iowa. The conservatory mm -hmm. got together this fund so that I could come here and win this grant, but I don't think... Hey, I forgot. Kind of I forgot to give you this letter. What letter? Oh, it was under your door when I came back to your room. Did you open this? How else could I have read it? <sighs> Did you... The grant! Mr. Larrabee! Yes, yes, I saw it. Mm. Oh, boy, the 20,000! I know, I know. Mm. <sighs> I've got to tell you... In fact, that piano scene... Uh, when she does that move around the piano, uh, we needed to rehearse it a few times. And Barbara was getting made up, so I did Barbara and played it a few, couple of times, and they shot it, and they used it in the trailer uh, as a joke. Well, you ended up using it in the trailer. I didn't even know they'd shot it. And John Kelly called me and said, wait till you see the dailies, you'll get a kick out of this. And I saw myself almost fell off the 
chair. This is the this was uh, the key grip, Lenny Luckenbaugh. He was the key grip. I just had him do that little Eunice. joke with the cigar and end the sequence. Oh, Eunice, open the door. I have some wonderful news. I think Buck wrote that, and we put it in with the. I do not want your apologies, <laughs> Madeline. All right, Eunice, no apologies. Have you no heart? I would think that after what you have done to me, you would come crawling for forgiveness. Oh, Eunice, please let me read you this letter, dear Howard. Do you hear that, Eunice? Howard. It is your name. The committee and I are agreed that barring any unforeseen Madeline let herself look just terrible. She's actually a good-looking girl. But she just allowed us to make her look terrible. However, it started her career pretty well. I remember um, I called Cary Grant and said, guess what, Cary, my movie's opening at the Radio City Music Hall, the one we, we did uh, with Ryan doing you. He said, um, he said, oh, that's nice. I'll tell you what, I had, uh, he said, I had 28 pictures play the hall. I said, 28 pictures? He says, yeah, all my pictures play the music hall. Russian Hill. Take it to 459 Dorella Street. Deliver it to the boys on the second floor. 459 Dorella Street. Hi. It's all settled. Eunice is going to get dressed and meet See, us. She went around, Riot Barbara went around behind him because she wanted to be shot from that side of her face. She liked that side of her face better. Right. And what will you say? About what? About yourself. This was again in the lobby of the real hotel which we shot at night again because they wouldn't let us shoot in the daytime. It was too crowded. Anyway, so Carrie says, I had all my pictures played at the music hall. I said, well, he said, I'll tell you what you must do. When it opens, you go down there and you stand in the back and watch while 6,500 people laugh at something you did. It will do your heart good. And I did. I did go down and watch the uh, picture play at the uh, music hall with 6,500 people. In fact... The picture uh, broke the house record at the Radio City Music Hall, the 33-year house record uh, in 1972 when we opened. The first two weekends in a row broke the house record. And the, it was still a $2 top in those days, which it had been when the, pic, when the theater opened in 1933. So between 33 and 72, uh, the price hadn't changed. And uh, more people went to the theater to see our picture than had ever gone before. And I swear, when I went there, it felt like the, when I stood outside, you could hear the laughter on the street. It was, the place shook, particularly during the chase sequence. This is real San Francisco, really the Hilton, and all these cars, all those pans we did with the different cabs, it's all one shot. Mabel Albertson did this, and she really went over the top with it. And it was, I said, really go for it. Everybody kind of walks up. She's very good in this, got a big laugh. Are you you're sure this is the right address? 459 This was a huge laugh when it reveals where she's, where, she, where they sent her. <laughs> that, that, we found this dilapidated building down in the San Francisco docks, close to where we did the end chase. And um, 
Mm. Polly found it. I don't know where we found it. I think it's actually we were shooting and we saw that and said, wouldn't that be funny? And the staircase was like that. It was kind of dangerous to go up there. I said, be careful now, Madeline. And uh, this was a real place. We didn't really have to dress it at all. Now again, these little noises that she makes here are just uh, so Madeline Kahn. She's wonderful with it. Um, is there any... Hello? Hello? Um... Uh... Again, this was the real place. You can see out the windows. Why, those are Howard's. What on earth are you doing with Howard Bannister's rocks? Now, when they come toward her and she makes these noises, that was Madeline. I said, give me a little noise here, Madeline. Again, San Francisco. Thank you very much. We decided it was going to be San Francisco because of all the hills and everything we thought would be funny. I think we were kind of doing a takeoff on Bullet, which had been shot in San Francisco. It had a lot of chase stuff, so we thought the hills would be funny. And it's uh, in keeping with the sort of cartoon nature of the picture. This is one shot, again, when Austin walks over and introduce and, and takes... Uh, I'm not sure if we do it in one shot or not. Yeah. Austin walks over, introduces him. Ryan comes over. Matt Ken comes up to him. This is one piece of film. Quite a long time. Quite a long, quite a few uh, moments here without a cut, which had to be carefully rehearsed and difficult to shoot. Simon, Miss Burns. Uh, no, it's um, Burnsy. Of course, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, and Mr. Lara. Frederick. And Mr. Polly and I decided we're going to do a black and white set. So you see, there's no color in the set itself. It's all black and white. You don't notice it because of all the uh, costumes. But see, this is still no cut. All the actors are in this. The almost the whole cast, almost the whole cast is in this. And Ken now goes over there, and again the camera goes in. There's no cut from the moment Austin said, "Oh, there they are," to now. It still hasn't been a cut, and I can't remember. But I think it goes all the way up goes on again, you know, keeps going. The cut comes right here when he moves it, when it goes into the bag. And we had to cut in to do an insert. And there's the cut right here. All that was one piece. So you can see how much, how careful the actors, how good the actors were to be able to pull that off. I remember when Buck sent me this, the first draft, his draft of this, it said... A fight breaks out, which will be staged brilliantly by the director. <laughs> and that's about all that he put in for this fight that breaks out any second. What are you babbling about, Simon? Nobody move! Get over there. We uh, put in all the jokes that you'll see in a second. Either one, just slide it over here. Now here's where all the bags had to be. We had to make sure we had the right bags. And there was a balcony. There was a balcony. We put the balcony in so we could do this joke. And that's Laszlo Kovac's hand 
I remember uh, in order to do this very difficult shot, panning past the gun, actually. It's harder to do than it looks. Laszlo did it with his own hand. Howard! Howard! Howard, they've got your rock! Don't nobody do nothing! This is unheard of. Go down the case and the gun. And when the fight breaks out, uh, and all those uh, hoods are stuntmen. Don't kick those rocks, you Philistine! Shut up! Don't you dare strike that brave, unbalanced woman! That was a stuntman did this. We had 28 stuntmen on the picture. And he would go with the jokes. That just happened. The, 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 the waiter was supposed to go back in, to the, and he couldn't make the door until the stuff broke, so we kept it in. All this stuff we sort of did on the set. We staged all this stuff as we worked together. It was a lot of fun. Polly designed all these sets, black and white styrofoam, and the, these uh, art, art objets d'art, these object art objects that were there. Of course, we had to do a pie in the face joke. It had to go to had to go to Hugh Simon. But all these all the props that were there, uh, we used as best we could, including the swinging lamp. Which ones? Buck wrote that in. The maid comes up and starts shooting. <laughs> we cast a particularly old maid for it. How many cases are there? Four cases. We finally get them all together. And out they go. And the, we decided to keep the butler very proper. And here we start a chase. That's Ryan's brother there. That's Kevin O'Neill with the long hair, with the uh, grocery cart. And uh, he did a little doubling, and he played the uh, grocery cart man. We gave him a job. Now, this car that almost comes in, that really was done with this two stars. I must say we took a few chances. And that's Ryan, and that's Barbara. And they were really doing this. And uh, you notice you can see their feet. See his feet. I said, We gotta show their feet. Buster Keaton said, You must always see a comedian's feet, particularly when he's running. So we had to go back. That's why we couldn't cheat it at all, that shot. That was real. And that's one of the things that gives the picture kind of gives the, the sequence verisimilitudes. You, you saw Barbara and Ryan and you knew that they were running because the camera was close enough to see them both. These are stuntmen, mostly the drivers here. And all this, all this. Now, this, we did this sort of, I don't know how we did this joke. That was a real hill. All these were real hills. And the long shots were stunt people. Nobody got hurt. Somebody almost got hurt. But we, but we, nobody, I think one person broke a, a toe. Of course, how could you not, how could, the reason we went to San Francisco was so we could have these hills. Now, the pane of glass sequence, which uh, actually Benton and Newman and I put in the original draft, and we kind of spun it out, that was the biggest laugh in the picture, this, this sequence here, with the pane of glass. And you see, this was a lot of different shots. It took us about four or five days to shoot this one sequence, just this little part. The whole chase itself took um, four weeks to shoot, four weeks for 12 minutes. And uh, 
the chase cost a million dollars. It cost a fourth of the budget. And uh, that was a wonderful stuntman on the, on the ladder, Jerry, uh, Jack Verboys. Now, this joke, um, hitting the uh, VW van parked, actually, that joke came up when uh, we were scouting locations on the bus, and I was with the crew. <clears throat> and I said, wouldn't it be funny if all the cars hit a VW van and then a guy comes running out and the thing falls over? Well, the crew laughed, so I said, okay, let's do it. It was just, I just threw it in as I was just discussing it, and the crew thought it was so funny. Here, the guy comes out with a newspaper, and... Uh, the van falls over. That was, I think, the second biggest laugh in the picture, that van joke, amazingly, with an audience. People screamed at that. The hood of the car wasn't supposed to come off, it just did. And um, now this joke, when the, finally the guy goes into the... That was the biggest laugh in the picture. This was, a, this was a real Chinese dragon that I, I, think, I think we built it. I can't remember, but the band was really a high school Chinese uh, school uh, band. We had them playing La Cucaracha. We thought that'd be silly enough. This dialogue here, I think we're in a Chinese dragon. That's something I think we ad-libbed on during the shooting. I think I told them to say it. Or, they had lived I can't remember now but and those people watching the ray the uh, watching that those people were really there uh, to watching a shoot we're inside a Chinese dragon all those people there were watching a shoot this the stunt drivers did all this stuff brilliantly. as a matter of fact at the end of the picture we gave the stuntman a credit uh, stunts, and we listed all the stuntmen. This joke with the uh, trash cans uh, was a joke that um, Sybil Shepherd suggested. Sybil and I were living together at the time, and she said she talked about the, having the trash cans uh, come following this guy down the hill. And the, the joke of the cans following him was another homage to Buster Keaton, a picture he did called Seven Chances, which Sybil and I had seen. And Sybil said, why don't the trash cans follow him the way the rocks did in Seven Chances? And that's where that homage came from. Let's go. Everybody contributed to this. They put on these elaborate costumes, and of course the people recognized them instantly. <laughs> that was... Um, Polly came up with these wild costumes. I said, difficult as possible to see them. Of course, they instantly recognized. And the stuntmen who had the line there, all the stuntmen uh, were very good actors. The wedding ceremony. They jump into the VW. There's one shot here. Camera moving over to see them. This is a terrible thing we're doing. This is a terrible thing we're doing. Now here the people run into the crowd and the cars come by and they really had to they really had to run. If you look carefully, you see one of the guys is wearing sneakers. He wasn't gonna take any chances. Now this hill, it really is there in San Francisco, hard as it is to believe, it's a real hill. 
And, uh, and with that road, you couldn't make this up. Well, we thought it was so funny, we uh, had to use it. The people in San, the San Francisco was not thrilled with us because we, we did a little damage. What are you doing? This is a one-way street. We're already going one way. Ah! This, of course, another Buster Keaton joke with the, with the um, trolley car. And Frank Marshall is the one with the, with the shovel here. Uh, he was the, my assistant, and he gets, a big la- he gets a good laugh when he throws the shovel away coming up. All this stuff... All the cars go by. I said to Frank, throw the shovel. And he got a laugh. That was Frank. (laughs) Will you turn off those things? We had, as I said, it took four weeks. And all these jokes, turning up on the thing here, and the the BW bug carrier. The stuntman did an extraordinary job. This was very hard to do. But I think I said this was the first time uh, that uh, stunt people in any Hollywood movie were ever given credit. The studio told me that had never been done before. I said, well, we, we should do it, because... They were extraordinary, and uh, really didn't. Was, the chase was undoable without them. That stuff inside the cars with Ken Burns and Austin and Madeline, all that was shot, moving quite fast. Actually, we didn't undercrank that. In other words, we didn't do this. We didn't trick it. This joke was Polly Pilot's joke. Uh, everybody contributed something. Look at that turn, that's very hard to do. Uh, And it was amazing that two cars actually didn't hardly touch the cement. Wasn't the last one that really did, the car flew over it. This is a kind of a Laurel and Hardy joke with the guy jumping up into it. Oh, they're gaining on us. We had to get rid of the glasses, uh, and I made that joke up one day, sitting with Polly, saying, how do we get rid of He throws them out the window because he doesn't want to see. That was that. We can make it! No! We can make it! I don't think we can make it! This was the most dangerous stunt, all these cars going off. And um, the VW actually sunk to the bottom and got stunk. Oh my God, this, the seagulls, that got a big laugh. That took forever to shoot. That fellow, the last fellow, Lauren, who jumped off the convertible, he actually was knocked out uh, by the impact, and he never remembered the stunt. He, he did not remember. When we brought him up, he was out cold, but he did not remember the stunt and had to be shown it and never did remember doing it. The VW sank to the bottom, 
and uh, the Paul, uh, I can't remember his last name, Paul Stanley, I think, was the, uh, by the way, VWs do not float. <laughs> Paul, that's the end of Act Two. Paul uh, was stuck down there, and luckily he had done stunts for John Hawley, but he was what's called a waterman, and uh, he was able to hold his breath. For some reason, we hadn't given him an oxygen tank. He was under there for about three minutes, and he just made it. We thought we'd lost him, and uh, my hands were sweaty. I thought we'd lost him. It was terrible. And he finally came up, and if he hadn't been expert at doing water and water underwater stuff, uh, he wouldn't have made it. We had frogmen stationed out around and uh, to save the people, but they couldn't find them because it was all uh, muddy. The water, the, the, the crash of the car had stirred up the bottom of the water so that it was all foggy. If there is any nonsense of any sort, now, Liam Dunn playing the judge. Liam Dunn was a casting director in Hollywood. He'd never acted before. But uh, Buck Henry suggested that Liam would be great playing the judge. So he came in and saw me, and he was great. I mean, to have a chase like that, it was a 12-minute chase, and have it, and not have it end the picture, but in fact have it only be the end of the second act. It's a short third act. Um, was pretty daring, I have to say. Um, but I think the reason this worked was a very well-written sequence by Buck Henry and uh, superbly played by uh, Liam Dunn, wonderful Liam Dunn. ...to commit some other hideous offense. I'd like to send every one of them to an island. Very well-written uh, jokes, too, by Buck. ...any chains. Do you know why I don't? I think I had the idea to have this play in a courtroom and have the whole picture sort of explained in the courtroom. And uh, I thought that would be a, a good technique, a good device to use as a way of wrapping up our story. And also a way of doing a little tip of the hat to uh, Leo McCary, who was one of the great comedy directors of all time and whom I knew personally and loved. Well, Your Honor, I think it'll be pretty quiet tonight. So we bring the entire cast in and uh, to explain it, and there's all the four suitcases finally. I remember John, this shot, the long shot of Liam, I remember John Ford. The great director was sitting over on the left. He came to visit us that day, and never forget that. He said, "A judge is funny." He said, "I remember Barbara went over and kissed his ring, Jack Ford's ring, and so did Ryan." And uh, Jack Ford referred to Barbara as the Jewish girl. She's funny. He said, "The devil are these? My jewelry." Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whom do these cases belong to? The Me? government people! I want my bike back. I'll give you a bike back. I'll give you a broken back if you don't be quiet. <coughs> Officer. Liam was so wonderful in this. God, he was great. All these actors were very good comedians. Uh, they all kept working. Some of them out of San Francisco Bay. Entering the country illegally? No, sir, they drove in. The country? M. Emmett Walsh, he did a lot of work after this. This was one of his first pictures. 
came in wonderful reading. Stolen cars. Oh, that's grand larceny. Then there was a shooting. That's assault with a deadly weapon. And this joke got a huge laugh when she said, they tried to rape me, and he says, that's unbelievable. With them forcibly. That's kidnapping. They tried to molest me. That's unbelievable. <laughs> that's unbelievable. That was a very funny moment. As you can see, I represent our government. God bless it. Oh, shut up. Go on. I think that was my voice saying, God bless it. I think we threw my voice in because the, uh, the actor was a stuntman and didn't, hadn't done it loud enough. Secret government underwear. Underwear? You get the clothes for car. Watch out, those might be my rocks. Tell them to bring straight jackets. The people have a right to know. In the sort of size. We had a lot of fun with this sequence. This was shot, on, of course, on, on at Warner Brothers. We built the set. It doesn't look like much to you, but it's all I've got. Now, ordinarily, I would threaten you with contempt. But in this case, and I think the Supreme Court will back me up on this, I am seriously considering setting up a torture chamber. Now, I want this whole... He died only about three years later. Three or four years later, but he worked quite a bit after this. In fact, I think half the cast was, well, I know three or four people were, um, Mel Brooks used for uh, Blazing Saddles, including Madeline. Red hot irons in the back of your minds. Well, sir, my name is Howard Bannister, and I'm from Ames, Iowa. No excuse. No, sir, but it all started when I bumped my head in the taxi cab on the way in from the airport. Are you pleading insanity or amnesia? Neither, sir, but when I went to the drugstore to get And this, of course, again, we told Ryan, we, everybody had to play it, pick up the speeds, go quite quickly. And it's interesting, Barbara, of course, has no lines in this whole scene except one, which is the payoff to the thing. You have a wife and a fiancé? No, sir, but uh, she kept calling me Steve. Your own fiancé calls you Steve? No, sir, my wife, or rather the one who isn't my wife. Well, what does the one who isn't your fiancé call you? Howard? No, sir, the one who isn't my fiancé doesn't call me Howard, and the one who isn't my wife doesn't call me Howard, because the one who isn't my fiancé is also the one who isn't my wife. The other one who isn't my wife, the one who is my fiancé, she doesn't call me Steve. She calls me... The whole me thing about her calling him Steve, and his real name was Howard, that was actually a little inside joke, a kind of a tip of the hat to Howard Hawks. Uh, and Howard personally, because he would be the only one who would get it, uh, from a picture he did called To Have and Have Not, in which Bogart's name is Harry, but Bacall calls him Steve. But the whole thing actually came from the fact that Hawks's uh, wife used to call Howard Hawks Steve. So we named Howard Howard Bannister in this because of Howard Hawks, and we, she calls him Steve because of the joke in To Have and Have Not. So that's a little inside uh, thing we did. It's a tip of the hat to Howard, who was one of my favorite directors and who uh, loved the picture. I remember he went down to Rio and brought me back pictures he'd taken of the marquee of the picture in, in, uh, in uh, Spanish. Uh, 
Liam is so funny. And then, of course, we do this joke Buck put in at the end of the, from the Kane mutiny. I mean, there was a few movie jokes in the picture that were clear and some that weren't. Uh, some were just for the fun of it. This is another thing we we this is another thing that became a catchphrase on the set. I am Hugh. You are you are me? No, I am Hugh. Music? Can you fix a hi-fi? No, sir. Then shut up. Well, anyway, he came in and tried to get my case, and then he came in and tried to get his case, and then they came in and tried to get all the cases, and then the shooting started. They forced me to come with them. I was out in the car the whole time. You little fink. Oh, you brought the stuff Now we had a joke that comes up here when the bench falls apart which I thought was pushing it and we but we thought maybe it would work and uh, when we previewed the picture we only previewed the picture once in Denver once in Denver and it was very successful but this one joke here when we when she Barbara reveals herself and we find out that it's her father Judy hello daddy for some reason, this joke did not work, and we didn't know why. And then Verna Fields said, maybe it's too fast. And I think then we put the shot of Ryan in uh, when he looks at the father. And then the joke worked. So it was, I think it was, it was a very, very short. It was only a, about a second, a second and a half of Ryan turning to look at the judge. And by delaying the moment with the uh, bench breaking, uh, we got the laugh. It was very strange. It was too quick for the audience. And I was worried because, I mean, the, the bench break breaking is not exactly a small joke. And uh, Vernon saved the day. So it uh, shows you have to, it doesn't hurt to have a good editor. <laughs> hey, look at that. Could you give me information about flights to Rio de Janeiro? This joke uh, actually was funnier. It was a little thing we took out that I've always wanted to kind of put back. But um, now all this was shot uh, this, at the beginning of, this, of the picture. And I remember Verna Fields making a joke with me saying, she said, I can't believe you're, the nerve that we had to shoot the end of the picture with all the conversations about the chase and everything. Uh, before we'd shot any of it, because we because of the schedule, we had to shoot the ending at the same time as the beginning, because we didn't want to go back to the TWA uh, to the airport again. This was shot in San Francisco, at the airport, and uh, so we shot it actually at the beginning, which was kind of nervy. Listen, if I paid you off at ten dollars a week, you'd be even in. Um... 38 years and five and a half months. You get that fast. No math, no Holyoke. I remember Barbara kept asking for, uh, um, she said, don't you think we should have a moment here? And I kept saying, no, no moments. Oh, a little moment, she said. No, I don't think we should have any moments. But there was a moment, just a moment ago, when I was talking about something else. We had a moment when they looked at each other. And I said to Barbara, okay, let's do a moment here. She was very pleased. And the whole thing of Mabel flirting with the guard, that was, we threw that in. And Polly, it was Polly's idea to have her wearing uh, um, those shorts, which were popular at that time. One of the few topical costume jokes in the picture. This was what Verna kept talking. I can't believe you're having to read that list of all the things we broke before we ever shot any of that stuff. Well, 
So that was one reason we had to do it. And that dear little old man, and of course the uh, gentleman from the government. And there you are, my dear. And God bless you, my dear. <sighs> hey, that leaves only 30. I think this is the moment coming up here. There, that's the moment right here when she looks at him. Don't tell me you need peace and quiet. That's right. You'll miss me. I know that too. Well, that was the moment. She, 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 we did that on the second or third day of shooting, and I said we can do a moment here, and then she kept asking for more moments. I said, no, we did our moment. <laughs> that was all we did. When this revealing of Ken Mars, Hugh Simons being a fraud, uh, resulted in him having to speak a foreign language, it was supposed to be Croatian or Serbo-Croatian or something, which is my, which is my first language actually. And uh, when we get to it, you'll see that uh, Kenny Mars invented some entire language for his own. Um, this is wonderful, the way Buck wrote this payoff, everything kind of getting, getting um, uh, succinctly wrapped up. Um, it was part of the way it was originally written, but then Buck rewrote most of the dialogue here. Just once, 1925, Harvard Press Musicological Review. It's probably out of print of now, but course. I Of course! Professor Heydrich Findelmeyer, the University of Zurich, 1911. The controversial Findelmeyer proposition. No wonder it sounded so familiar. I'm sorry, Simon. This is unspeakable. Simon, you're a player. This is unspeakable. And now when he backs off, I told him to speak in, speak in uh, Serbo-Croatian and uh, be a sore loser. And send it on to you at the conservatory. Frederick. Frederick. All that I don't know where he came up with that. It's all made up. Puchni Puchni. That was all that stuff was Kenny Mars brilliant made all that up as he went. We shared a great deal in the past day or so, and I think perhaps well, you know what I mean. Of course, we had to have everybody end up with somebody, so Austin and Madeline ended up together. 12.05, and the lecture starts promptly at 1. Well, Judy, I get... And the reason we called her Judy was so that uh, it was also a little inside joke for Cary Grant, who was supposed to have said, Judy, 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 although he actually never said it in the picture. He did say, and only angels have wings, he called Rita Hayworth Judy, because that was her name, and it came out like that. And we have a shot of a plane taking off, which was not a stock shot. We actually shot it. It reminds me, though, of the seagull shot during the chase, which I couldn't talk about because it was so fast. That took about four hours. I left a second camera doing it. It turns out to be very hard to make five or four seagulls turn and look at the same time. <laughs> I stayed there for about 45 minutes while everybody was trying to make them turn and uh, couldn't do it. And finally, if you look at the film carefully, you'll see that I don't think all five of them turned, but three of them did, and that's what did the joke. That actually got a big laugh, the seagulls. And this, um, um, what you're seeing when they sing What's Up Doc at the end, is from a, um, a Warner Brothers cartoon. 
which was called What's Up Doc. And uh, we used it so that we could have Elmer and Bugs singing uh, What's Up Doc at the very end. Uh, so actually, there was a movie called What's Up Doc. It was a seven-minute comedy uh, cartoon. I mean, here comes the big joke about love means never having to say a sorry, which Buck put at the end of the thing. And then Barbara did her eyes like that, which I had suggested she do based on something that Lauren Bacall did in To Have and Have Not. Barbara wasn't sure whether to do it or not. And so she kept, she said, let's do it two ways. I said, no, let's just do it one way. And I wouldn't do it two ways. And the reason we ended with Porky, of course, is to show us that basically telling the audience that this whole thing was basically a cartoon. It was a cartoon, screwball comedy, slapstick farce, all together. And then we did the reprise of the cast, which I always like in pictures. It was a very much of a 30s thing. I did it actually at the end of the last picture show, too, which was a drama, and needless to say. But I thought it'd be fun to give the audience one more look at the cast, since they were all so good. Well, there it was, 30 years later. It uh, brings it all back, seeing it. It's uh, kind of a little touching to me to see it now, after all these years, and remember the fun we had making it 30 years ago. It's hard to believe. It doesn't seem like more than about maybe 15. I hope you've enjoyed it. This is Peter Bogdanovich. So long. She's the one for me. You're the top. Uh.